Good morning. Blessed Sabbath to all. Welcome to our church services and welcome to our continuing study on the topic that should concern everyone, which is how to study the Bible. Thank you, Brother Ruben Cristiano, for the Ministry of Music. Um, we are blessed. And not only blessed, we want to bless others in return. So we ask that you please share our website so that people can listen to Brother Ruben Capistrano singing. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, so much 
for your loving kindness, for your mercy. Now may we ask that we be taught and that, that we should be willing to be taught the way you have taught the people in the past, the people that have learned, especially in these last days so we may put together all that we have learned in the past, what has been taught by the Old Testament and what Christ himself and the apostles left behind for us to study so that we may be mightily blessed and in doing this, we can actually glorify God and prepare people for your soon return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so here we are. We roll up our sleeves. We put on our thinking cap. And then we ask, seek, and knock for the Holy Spirit. Even as we continue opening the words, living through the written word, that the Holy Spirit will continuously, uninterruptedly, guide and teach our minds. We need to keep our conscience clear, void of offense towards God and man, meaning say not knowingly doing that which doesn't please God. On the other hand, doing everything consciously that we know pleases God as revealed in God's Word. So I'd like to begin this section here by inviting you to turn your Bibles to Acts 17.11. Acts 17.11, you should read the chapter here for a context. But in Acts 17.11, we read, and this is, the, this is the reaction of one who had made an observation comparing two believers in two different places. But here in Acts 17.11, we read these were more noble than those in Thessalonica or the church in Thessalonica, the believers in Thessalonica, in that they, these more noble ones, they received the word with all readiness of mind, open-minded, but it doesn't stop there. It says, and they searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So remember that. The two things that must be found among the true learners they listened, they, were, they knew how to listen, uh, they received the word with all readiness of the mind, but they searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Now, in so doing, we need to turn now to 2 Peter chapter 1, 19 to 21. 2 Peter chapter 1, 19 to 21. What does... The Apostle Peter right here for us. I'll begin to read as you read through with me. Second Peter chapter 1, chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, 19 to 21. Verse 19 says, We also have the prophetic word. I'm reading from the New King James Version. We also have the prophetic word made more sure, which you would do well to take heed. How? as a light that shines in a dark place. What dark place is that? The dark place of our minds. A light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns. That tells us enlightenment and comprehension. See, until the day dawns. In other words, you work throughout the night. You don't stop until the day dawns. That's how this is to be understood. And what should be the object of that? And the morning star. You know, I love astronomy. Used to 
read and watch the skies and watch, uh, look things through the telescope way back in, in the islands. But here the morning star, or Sirius, here this morning star should be capitalized. In the Bible, it's not capitalized. That's Jesus, okay? Until the morning star arises in your hearts. I love that. That is the object of our Bible study, how to study the written word in order that we may see by faith the living word, which is Christ. Okay? That morning star, that is our object in doing this Bible study until the morning star arises in our hearts. Verse 20 says, knowing first, this is knowledge now, that no prophecy of scriptures is of any, any private interpretations. Warning, okay? So, and a lot of people are indulging in this, right? No, no prophecy of scriptures is of any private interpretation. The margin here reads origin, because all came from God through, through the Holy Spirit. So that in verse 21, we read, for prophecy never came by the will of man. Ordinary men. On the other hand, it says, but holy men of God, not just ordinary men, but holy men of God, spoke and, of course, wrote down as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The King James Version says, by the Holy Ghost. And so, you know, here, let's be very careful that we do not indulge, we do not attend uh, as we would in the books of this world and writings of man to read between the lines. You'd heard about that phrase. You can read between the lines. You can surmise. You can opine. But where the word of God is concerned, no prophecy of the word of God is of any private interpretation. Or, you know, we often hear, oh, well, that's my personal insight. That's my personal interpretation. That's my personal opinion. Or this is my truth. Well, that is like saying, and we often hear this, this is my life. I can do whatever I want to do with it. Well, that's foolhardiness because life only comes from God. We are mortals. Life comes from the life giver, the immortal God. So you can never say that. You say that only because we are fools. And if ever I say that, I am a fool. So, because of what we just read and have thus far covered. Another rule in how to study the Bible is let the Bible itself teach you and me how to study it. How do? How does this, you know, how, how do we study the Bible? Does the Bible ever teach us? Yes, it does. Again, we review that. It was the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, who inspired and moved the holy man to speak and write of God's Word, uh, these books of the Bible. So this Holy Bible is God's Word to you and me. You don't want to hear a third person talking for God. You want to hear God speaking to you, right? Speaking not only to your ears, but speaking to your heart. So we need the Bible in front of us, and we need the Holy Spirit to bring the Word of God into our hearts and minds because it is no man can read the mind of Christ, of God, except the Holy Spirit. So if we don't have the Holy Spirit, we do not know what is in God's mind. We can read what He says, but for it to make any, any amount of, let's say, 
convicting and convincing, which happens in the mind and the conscience, it is by the Holy Spirit. So the Bible is also a chart. Okay, you know what a chart is for? A chart is to guide him in his in our yet mortal nature and our corruptible flesh as we you know, embark on this earthly journey on the day we were born. We are embarking on an earthly journey and we are passing to that antitypical wilderness, just like Israel, a wilderness of sin. If you read what it says in Exodus, it's called the wilderness of sin. How appropriate, because we're living in a sinful world. And again, just like that in Israel, of ancient Israel, we're not permanent residents of this wilderness. We're passing through. Where are we headed? As they were headed to an earthly Canaan, we are headed for the heavenly promised land together with life eternal. And so, like its author, the Bible is spiritually complete and perfect, not always in syntax and grammar. Don't make the terrible mistake. That's written word, human words containing the thoughts of God. The word thought is not only the word and it's Definition, but the thought behind the word. That is different. The thought is what the Holy Spirit brings to our mind. It is its own best expositor. It includes instructions on how to study itself. And so we turn to the Gospel prophet, Isaiah. Let's turn to Isaiah 28. Verses 9 to 14, 21, 22, 23, and 29. Verse 9, Isaiah chapter 28. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Very specific, isn't it? Then them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. Because it's he says here, for, this is how to understand it. Verse 10, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept. It's repeated there, you read it. Line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Verse 11, for with stammering lips. And another tongue will I speak to this people. Now we should read what that actually interprets to, but not here, but we'll study that. Verse 12, to whom he said, and you know to whom he said this, to a people. Who were the people to whom this was addressed? Isaiah was speaking to God's people. And that's the same thing in Hebrews 11. He says, to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet you would not hear. He was speaking to his own people. Right? So that is an instruction to God's people. Not to the Gentiles, but to God's people. When the Gentiles accept the truth as it is in Jesus, this applies to them. Verse 13, again, but the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might go, advance, and fall backward. What does it mean to fall backward and be broken and snared and taken? Strong words to indicate that God's word, if you allow it to do its work, you will not forge ahead of it. You will be in line with it. 
We need to be captured not by Satan's snares, but the word of God. In verse 14 says, Wherefore, right? Hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men that rule the people. Now, this is a different element. These are not just ordinary men on the street, not any Tom, Dick, and Harry. These are the leaders because they're the rulers of the people. And this is in the spiritual sense, the religious leaders, which is in Jerusalem even more now. They're the spiritual leaders of the people of God. And in, in the New Testament, that is the church, the Christian church. Verse 21, for the Lord shall arise up as in Mount Perizim. He shall be wroth as in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. Now, I want you to do a homework. It's part of being a Berean. You read First Chronicles chapter 14, because this explains that. So you need to go line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. That's the way to do that. Don't reach conclusions without verifying, as the Bereans did, whether these things were so. In verse 22, Now therefore be ye not mocking, lest your bands be made strong, for I have heard from the Lord God of hosts a consumption, even determined upon the whole earth. Now that's applying then, if you read Daniel chapter 9, you will find what happened to God's people. The chosen people in the day of desolation that came upon them in Jerusalem by Babylon, ancient Babylon, is applicable again in its antitype to the Babylon of the last days. So what you learn from that, that's precept upon precept, line upon line, here little, there little. That's the way. Don't take anything out of context. So in verse 23, it says, give ye ear. Now talking about reception, reception of the word. And hear my voice, hearken and hear my speech. Good way to verify what this means and to whom it's addressed and for what reason is to read Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 10, chapter 3, and the whole chapter. Ezekiel chapter 2 and 3. You read practically almost the same words with practically the same warnings in great detail. Then in verse 26, for his God doth instruct him, that's a teaching now, to discretion. In other words, we are indiscreet. We do not have the perceptions. We need to be instructed by the prophets who were moved by the Holy Spirit. And same thing today. And doth teach him, if they're willing to learn. Verse 29, this also cometh forth from the Lord of hosts. So please know this. When this term is given, the Lord of hosts, it's not just the Godhead. It's the whole heaven that's involved. The hosts actually referred to all of the angels. They are numbered. While two-thirds remain faithful, we don't exactly know the exact number. But they're in the majority. One-third fell, became the evil spirits, which we are contending with. But the Lord of hosts is in the majority, even literally, which is wonderful in counsel, and excellent in working. So when you say, how do you study the word of God? Remember how he has taught us. We are on the majority. We are in the safe territory to be protected against the Satan's deception. So 
again, here on how to study the Bible, we are looking at these principles, these precepts. Always carefully consider the context, the time, the place, and the situation, right? Don't be lazy, right? Don't jump to conclusions. Remember this line, I learned this way back from somebody who spoke the truth and understood it much older than I was back then. He said, a text, a text taken out of context is a pretext. A text taken out of context is a pretext. It isn't true. That's why we have so many conflicting beliefs that have been developed through the centuries and in the churches because members are lazy. They are content with just having you know, a, a small rod to 2 Timothy. In this last days, it says, perilous times will come. Why is it going to be perilous? You should read the list. It's a long list. But one of that is because people will just be content to have the form, the form of godliness, but will deny the power of godliness. So read those. Read the whole, I mean, verses 1 to 9. But in particular, he says, the spiritual guardians, what have they done? And you know how this operates. You've seen it. You very probably are involved with it. What do they do? They focus on a few verses, maybe one or two. And then they put them into, put them, they couch them you know, and frame them in their own. They put a spin on it. Why that? Why is that? Because it, Apparently, if you don't study deeper and discern and dig deeper into the Word of God, comparing line upon line, precept upon precept, here little, there little, it would appear it by just you know shallow reading that it appears to be supporting the opinion, the spin. And what is it behind it is actually self-pleasing, self-serving, self-justifying lifestyles, which is, well, it looks religious, sounds religious, but instead of taking up that cross of self-denial, which Jesus plainly said, they do the exact opposite. But they speak the Bible as though it were the gospel truth. And then they claimly bold, well, this is what the Bible says. And if we are not Bereans, we will believe without the benefit of verifying and establishing whether those things were so in the scriptures, not once a week, not only when you come to church, but it says there daily, daily. So here's the thing. As we continue to study this topic, don't get tired. Don't give up. We and I will do this as often as we can to remind ourselves that we are fighting a battle, a battle for the minds, a battle for the soul, every day. So let's be honest, be transparent, be consistent, and be thorough and diligent. The opposite of that is those immature in the faith, we're supposed to be once there, living in the flesh, having a carnal mind, hasty, Careless, scattered brain, or worse, presumptuous. Now, we have covered this some time ago. 
While studying the Bible, we have to be very careful to be guilty of what is known as presumption. What is presumption? While it is Satan's counterfeit of faith. Just because a person says, I believe in Christ, or I believe I have faith in Christ, does not automatically mean he does. How will we know? Well, a crisis will come into his life. And crisis reveals the two characters, whether it's actually built on sand. The foolish man built his house, on the, his household of faith, his faith on sand. And when the storms came, it just pushed him over. He had no ground. There was nothing there to hold him down. So presumption is Satan's counterfeit of faith. Watch out for this is one of the most deceptive pitfalls in the Christian world. And by the way, honesty, it begins with you and me. It is also called mental honesty. If you cannot be honest to yourselves, you can never be honest to anyone. And here's the truth. The truth is, you may be able to be truthful to others and honest to others, but dishonest to God. But if you're honest with God, you will be truthful to every man. So this sincerity is never a guide. Always, it is and always will be. It is written. That's why we need to study God's Word. We need to study how to study God's Word. So that whenever and wherever you and I may open to God's Word and embark on a study of it, let us remember this always. Right? Be conscious about this. The moment you open God's Word or enter into a discussion, say, I'm going to join a Bible study. Remember what we have been studying now. Okay? And remember this. You are entering a spiritual sphere and into a personal audience with the invisible potentate of the universe. How is he introduced to us by the gospel prophet? Isaiah 57, 15. The King James Version I'm reading. For thus saith, it is spoken, it is written. For thus saith the High and Holy One, who inhabits eternity and whose name is holy. So don't ever, ever try to use that title, Reverend Holy. That belongs exclusively to God. It's blasphemous to use those terms, those titles, those appellations. Thus yet the High and Holy One who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. And then he says, I dwell in the high and holy place. All right, remember this word place as we eventually will go back to studying John 14, 1 to 3. I go to prepare a place. Where is that place? It says, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the hearts of the contrite ones. That's part of the preparation you're getting the idea now as we really carefully study God's Word. And so that when we do actually enter into Bible study, as we are doing right now, we are meeting with Him. How? By faith, not by sight. And that in doing this, we need to enter into His mind. And as Paul made it very plain, 
You cannot, you know, I cannot enter into the mind of people, much less the mind of Christ. But we're not left there. He says, it's the Holy Spirit that reads the mind of Christ, enters into the mind of Christ, and that same Holy Spirit, if we allow him and we ask and seek and knock for him, will enter into our minds, bringing the mind of Christ and our thoughts of Christ into our very own mind so that we can own it and possess that mind and know and understand his thoughts, his express will, his counsels, his guidance, his assurances, his conditional promises, as well as all the reproofs and warnings revealed in the written word. And when you ever, you and I would ever refer to the word and say, this is my authority of what we claim to be or profess to be uh, as the basis of our belief and faith or religion, let us never forget that we are referring to the personal person of Christ. We are in a personal audience with God and are attempting to know and understand his mind and thoughts as conveyed to the written word that we are with him and he is with us taking stock of all that we say and all that we do. For as Jesus said, by your words you shall be justified and also by your words you shall be condemned. Now I'm going to go through briefly on this presumption. David prayed that he be not guilty of the great sin of presumption. Now, briefly, let's go to Psalms 19, verses 1 to 14. But I'm going to focus on a couple of verses. And you know where this is found. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Clearly then that the law is an agency in the conversion of men according to these verses. But... Look at what he says in verse 13. After going to verse, verse, verse 13, he says, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Then he says, Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent or guiltless from the great transgression. So here he makes it very plain. Out of all the sins that he had committed, and they were terrible, by the way. All right. He says that a greatest sin here is there is something that was dominating me, having dominion over me. It was called the sins of presumption, the counterfeit of faith. And he calls it the great transgression. If you only look at what the Bible says, what David says, we often refer to David as the man after God's own heart. Well, this is what he says. In confessing his sins and asking for forgiveness and acknowledging that it is by the law that it's the knowledge of sin, that the fear of the Lord is clean and is enduring forever, and that the law of God is to be desired more than the sweetest of all things, honey, he says, let not the sin of presumption have dominion over me so that I may be upright. You cannot be upright while indulging the sins of presumption and be held guiltless of that great transgression. So remember that when we handle the word of God, we are dealing with God. And here, this is what Paul wrote. It's the last verse I'm going to read when he says, we have this ministry, we have mercy, but what, what is this ministry that he 
shared with the people that he, he spoke to and, and ministered to. He says, we have verse, right, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Very careful, friends. But by the manifestation of truth, commanding ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Let us beware of indulging the hidden things of dishonesty because God can read our minds. Walk in craftiness and handling the word of God deceitfully. That's why we need to be good students of the word of God and know how to study the word of God. With that, I'd like to make the invitation that we bow our heads in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to bless our efforts to know how to study His Word. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time that we have spent together reading God's Word, studying God's Word, asking the Holy Spirit to bring the mind of Christ, the thoughts of Christ into our own minds that we may be able to be like Christ and have the, literally, physically, spiritually, genuinely, the mind of Christ. Without that, we will not be able to understand God we will in fact misinterpret his words and be guilty of deceitfully handling the word of God. May that never ever be said of us in our judgment. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.